Lord Jesus Christ, priesthood of Melchizedek, Holy of Holies, Heavenly Jerusalem, how you doing? High Priest of Bliss, Hebrews 9-11. That's my favorite name for Jesus in the whole Bible. You know how many names he's got in the Bible? I don't. More than I can even count. At least a thousand. Yeah. And if you count all the names outside of the Bible, it's endless. Uh-huh. You just give him a name like the dude. That works. <laughs> Uppercase D, you know, because you want to be reverent. Right. Right. The dude. The boss upstairs. <laughs> Uh, the Godfather. I like that one. Thank you, Jesus. The Godfather. You know, I had a little check in my spirit about calling him the Godfather because that's like mafia. And But what redeemed it for me, though, was that in the book of Isaiah, he's called Everlasting Father. And once I actually got a verse for it, I could receive it. You know, I'm still kind of religious. I love the Bible. Especially the inspired part. When you got the Holy Ghost on it, it's so fun to read. All day today, I've been seeing the Word of God come out of my mouth and the mouths of my friends, my brothers and sisters, and these words are completely filled with the blood of the Lamb and the living waters of our Father in Heaven. So, it's like a double-edged sword proceeding from our mouths. The Word of God is King of Kings and Lord of Lords, and that's why you're called a holy people, a royal nation, a holy priesthood. Because you have the King's Word. And that sword is royal. I mean, every angel, good and bad, definitely reacts to those words. You know, that's why wicked men and wicked women will come around you and they'll be like, don't say those words. You know, we'll beat you up. If you keep using the Lord's word like that, you know, and they'll tell you it's blasphemy and they'll tell you that you're irreverent and all this stuff. But what they really want you to do is be weak like them in religion because they're full of reptiles of Egyptian hell called religion, which is the nature of the great red dragon. If you're a prisoner of Satan, you know, misery loves company. And really a lot of people have gotten themselves out of ignorance involved in religion, and they don't realize that that is in fact the Antichrist. The Antichrist, written in the book of Scripture, uh, Revelation, and talks about in other places too, and the Apostle Paul's writings. This isn't something that, you know, Timothy, uh, what's his name, that wrote Left Behind series. This isn't the Left Behind series stuff, okay? This isn't Left Behind. You know, that book is just disease. That book is so horrible. <laughs> they gave me that book in Teen Challenge, and I read it, and man... I was such a pure spirit that none of it even landed in my heart because my there was nothing there. It was just fluff. It went poof, but it was entertaining. But there is no rapture. It's all a lie. You're supposed to live a lifestyle of rapture and be continuously raptured, which means spiritually outside your brains. 
And so we have this thing called the Antichrist written all over the place in the New Testament, which is simply religion. The anti-anointing spirit called Satan or Cherubim Lucifer. Cherubim Lucifer is a very, very religious being. His tail swept one-third of the stars. And all of that religion is in natural starlight and has the appearance of good, but there's no depth in it. When you go into it, it's a dead star, a dying star, it's darkness. So that's what religion actually is. It's trading on starlight. It's Luciferian witchcraft and sorcery. All of it. Most deceptively, Christian sorcery. Christian sorcery is everywhere. I mean, it's the normal thing in Babylon the Great. Rarely do you find Christians that live in the glory light of God. The glory light is a different spectrum of light. It's uncreated light. It's the light that created the suns and the moons and the stars. It's the Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord God Almighty. It's the Messiah's light. It's His anointing that created this world with a whisper. The Messiah's light is the glory of God. And in John 17 it says, Father, I have given them the glory. You know? People are like, isn't all the glory supposed to go to God? Glory to God. Give God the glory. Pharisees said the same thing in the scriptures. They don't want you in that spectrum of light because they don't want you to be free. They're full of Egyptian reptiles called the serpent in the garden. Serpent seed. Beware of the seed of the Pharisees. Beware of the seed of Herod. That's what murdered Jesus. That's what murdered our Lord. Where was He crucified? The book of Revelation says, in Sodom and Egypt, allegorically. Meaning, He died at the place of all the fallen angels and all the demons. Sodom is the foul birds. Egypt is the reptiles. Demons. So it's written in Scripture. Book of Revelation. Read it. He was crucified there to destroy all the works of the devil. That's why, more than anything, you must celebrate His feast. You must celebrate His crucifixion. You must celebrate His death (laughs) and His burial and the burial that sealed your burial. You got to get it because you were sealed in Sheol in the underworld. When He died, you died. There is no separation between any person on earth and Jesus except what their conscience tells them. And people have dirty consciences, so they're separated in their minds from Christ. But when He died, all nations died in Him because He's the Maker of the world. The Messiah, the King of Israel, Jesus Christ, the living God. When He died, all nations died, past, present, and future. And all the angels that fell and all the demons from the floods were there. 2,000 years ago, especially these religious ones, because the seed of Herod and the seed of the Pharisees is what murdered the Messiah. And we tolerate that woman Jezebel every church Sunday, and it's just, you tolerate the Antichrist. You tolerate Satan in your churches. It's not a small spirit. You tolerate the Antichrist. You tolerate the great red dragon. You tolerate the brain, which is the false prophet. You tolerate the stomach of man, which is the beast. Have no tolerance for the flesh. Only tolerate Christ and Him crucified, like the Apostle Paul says. 
which means I don't even care about your human nature. For the flesh, John chapter 6, counts for nothing. What matters is the spirit that God has placed in you and the soul in your head. Amen. And that soul is so precious to God that Jesus Christ would have died on the cross for one soul. Now we say that, but when we see the value of one soul and what it can become filled with the seven spirits of God, it becomes a castle of God's dwelling place on earth. Exactly like the greatness of Adam and Eve before they fell. One soul castle can fill the entire universe of stars and sands with glory and remove every trace of the curse of the fall. Remove every trace of sickness and disease. Remove every trace of poverty. Remove every trace of death. Like the Apostle Paul says, the last curse to be swallowed up is death. And I tell you the truth, that's this generation's destiny scroll. Death, where is your sting? Behold, death is swallowed up in victory in a generation that feasts upon his sacrifice. Sealed in the tomb, which means every area of my heart, soul, mind, and strength has been buried in the lowest recesses of hell with him. So that there's not even a drop of me remaining it's only His resurrection from the dead, drunken glory that remains. <laughs> or maybe you don't realize yet, the drunken glory is the resurrection of the dead. <laughs> it says so many times in Scripture, He's risen like a man from too much to drink. He's risen like a strong man after having too much to drink. It's a messianic prophecy of Jesus Christ that he would drink the full cup of his Father in heaven. A cup in the Garden of Gethsemane that he really didn't want to drink. Sweating blood because it's a horrific cup being buried under every fallen angel, being buried under every demon of Egypt, every angel of Sodom, being buried in Tartarus with those watchers down there in the lowest recesses of hell. Not a nice place, you know? <laughs> I don't think we can even imagine how horrible that is. But that's the cup that God the Father gave our Lord Jesus Christ to drink. And the Father was pleased in His death. That death on the cross that I'm describing to you. That cup that he drank. And when he was buried down there, he took all the sins of the world upon him. All the iniquity of religious sorcery and self-efforts and dead works and strange fire. All humanism he took with him. He took all human thought with him. <laughs> and buried it. He crucified the entire world. That's why Satan was destroyed at his death. <laughs> when he died, it says that hundreds of ancient men and women who had walked with God came out of their tombs and walked amongst the people in Jerusalem. 
How crazy is that? You know, there's King David over there. What the heck? You know, holding Goliath's sword. What's going on around there? I thought he died. I don't know. <laughs> Tell you the truth, when Jesus died, many, many men and women were raised from the dead instantly. Because those were the men and women who walked closest to him, who had been buried in Jerusalem for the last 2,000 years of the Old Covenant, now fulfilled in his death. For the Lamb had been slain, the Lambkin of God with the marks of slaughter, totally dead buried and sealed. When you're sealed with that Roman seal, I mean, you're as morte as morte gets. I mean, that's like dead, 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 dead. There is no chance you're alive. Because unless he died, there is no forgiveness of sins. Unless he was buried in the crypt and took all the weight of the world's iniquities, Upon himself, <laughs> there is no promises, there is no resurrection, and we are the most foolish people in the world. But it is all true. It is all true, you guys. And we've been crucified with Christ. It is true. There's not even a drop of me left. It's just all of you, Lord. And that should be your prayer every day. All of you, Lord, none of me. Zero consciousness of self. No self-awareness, no ego, no Christian narcissism. This thing has absolutely nothing to do with us. Yeah, it makes us feel good, only because we're tasting of His resurrection. We're feasting on the fattened calf. That's why God the Father sent His Son into this world to die, so that we can be restored back to God the Father through the Son. And only the Son gets the glory the praise and the worship. All of us are just the dependent, passive recipients of His sacrifice. Dependent, passive recipients of the lambkin with the marks of slaughter. So it's the feast of the lamb that now begins worldwide. For there are a billion Christians already, over a billion, that believe Jesus is God. A billion of a hundred thousand denominations. There are so many Christians everywhere. It's like Christian nations everywhere. Sheep nations everywhere. But what we need now is a full revelation of His death, burial, and resurrection and then to feast upon His flesh, which is the Word. The living Word. The bread from heaven. The manna in the wilderness. Feast, feast, feast upon the living word because Satan has filled the world with dead letters that kill. I mean, that's just everywhere. Everyone using the Bible to beat people up with and to put them under the law and put them under religious rules and regulations and there's no freedom and they're all miserable. Word yeah. no spirit equals death. <laughs> yeah. You know, they're the most miserable people. All their faces look like they've been baptized in lemon juice. You know, instead of the Holy Ghost and laughing tongues of fire and Pentecostal Acts chapter 2, drunken glory. You know, they need to be baptized again. All these miserable Christians should really get baptized into the Feast of the Lamb. And I love the miserable Christians. I come out of a Jesuit family. Talk about miserable. It's Roman Catholicism sorcery. 
It's horrible. The only pleasure we'd have in the Roman Catholic Church as kids and as a family was money. Because, I mean, we're absolutely godless in our Catholicism, I tell you the truth. Godless. Like, we're just wizards. Wizards. Sorcerers. Jesuit witches. Just using revelation to oppress people and control them. That's the sin of the Jesuits. That's the sin of Pope Francis. That's the sin of the Vatican. That's the sin of all religions worldwide. They're just control systems to control nations. Everyone's guilty. I mean, who can say in this world, I've never been religious, you know? I've never been a Christian narcissist. It's always been about Jesus, every day perfect, you know? I'm like the second coming of Christ. You're a lying demon. <laughs> we need the blood of the Lamb for the forgiveness of sins. Major. Major. Not minor. Major. Because once we've tasted of the glorious things of the kingdom age, it's like, man, I know something. You know, look at all my revelation. Look at all my throne room education. I got living creatures materializing around my head. Seraphim and cherubim. You know, everywhere. Every day, everywhere I go. Signs and wonders like sweat in the gym. And they're like, well, you're something special. Nope, I'm not special. Jesus Christ and Him crucified is special. There is nothing special about anyone. It's true. We want to be special because that's the human nature. Praise me, look at me. I'm the hero and it's just, no. It's all because we want love and value. That's the bottom line of every problem. Your love and value comes from your Father in Heaven through Jesus Christ, yep. your Lord. Yep. Spirit of adoption by which we cry, Abba, Father. <laughs> so there's not a single orphan thing in our souls so we don't compete in the flesh yep. like meatballs everywhere. You know, we use that term meatball because it's the brain, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil in the garden. But we're not meatballs. We've been crucified with Christ. We're all morning stars. Second Peter says, Until the morning star rises in your hearts and the day dawns. Amen? Shining ever brighter to the full dawn of day. <laughs> we are the city on a hill. What's the hill? The universe. What's the city? Heavenly Jerusalem. Because we've overcome the world by the blood of the Lamb. What did we do with His sacrifice? That's the only question God the Father asks you today. What have you done with the sacrifice of my son? Have you trampled it underfoot by your own self-efforts? Making yourself to be the sacrifice so that others can praise you? So you look good like a real religious Christian? Mm-mm. No, we've repented of all religiosity, Father. What have we done with the sacrifice of his son? We feasted upon it every single day. We gorged, Papa. We ate his flesh. We drank his blood. We're drunk on the blood of Jesus. We're fat on the fattened calf that you sacrificed for us. We didn't do anything except enter the feast and eat and drink until our cups overflowed. And with the overflow of our cup, we've drowned the world with the love of Jesus Christ and the forgiveness of sins and the living waters and the bread of heaven, the manna that now will remove all wilderness places worldwide. We will drown the entire world as a Joel's army with the bread, which is the Word of God, living, active, and energized, and with the wine, 
which is the forgiveness of all sins everywhere. Let no one accuse anyone of anything, for the blood of the Lamb has been shed for the forgiveness of all sins, religious and rebellious, for the full removal of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil in the garden, so that only the tree of life remains. Amen. Check us out online. Everything's free. Redlettermen.com and be blessed. We love you. We'll see you tomorrow. Amen.